Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of What I'm Obsessed With Now. I promise I'll stop counting soon. And our final episode of the Conspiracy Theories series. As always, I'm your friendly host and obsessive, Byron. This may be the last of this mini-series, but do not fear, there will be more podcast episodes to come. Just as interesting and random in subject. More info at the end of the episode. What are we talking about today? How do we end a series that has had Little Green Men and the Bigfoot? Well, we don't talk about one, but five conspiracy theories. The value. These are some of the conspiracy theories that didn't obsess me enough to write a whole episode, but I couldn't pass up talking about them. These are particularly fanciful and frankly laughable. But there are large populations who believe. These demonstrate one of the main reasons why I love reading about conspiracy theories. Creativity. As a writer, I create alternate realities, conspiracies of thoughts, if you will. I want my readers to believe while they have their nose in a book or a tablet or an e-reader. By the way, we all know the brands I'm talking about, but I'm not giving away free advertising. My demands are to get some of that sweet, sweet tech money and free products. You might say I'm a sellout, and I'd say to you, how much are you offering? The creativity of these conspiracies grip my interest. The what-if keeps me reading. I am also blown away that in the light of very clear evidence, to the contrary, there are people that still believe. If you are one of these people, keep an eye out for an upcoming mini-series on psychology. So get comfortable, or keep running or pumping iron. Whatever you are doing, keep doing it. But only if you can afford to have your attention taken away. Let's get going. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. It is rare that we know who originated the idea of a conspiracy theory. Usually they're built on myth, a little bit here and there, coalescing into a strange fantasy. Amazingly, in this case, we know who the person was that started the story. The idiot. Uh, I mean, the man was writer Bill Casing. I have to say in reading about conspiracy theories, there are always way too many writers involved. I know we make stuff up for a living, but there is a line between fantasy and reality. It may be thin, but it is there. Where does this all start for Mr. Casing? He worked for Rocketdyne Jet Propulsion Laboratories prior to the development of the rockets for the Apollo missions. Can we just note how much cooler company names were back in the day? Who would you rather work for? Boeing or Rocketdyne Jet Propulsion Laboratories? Bill Casing worked as a technical writer, so it could be said he would have a good view to the goings-on in the lab. This is where his authority starts, being a party to what we are all hidden from. It's a great start too. It must be noted that in the year preceding his tenure with Rocketdyne Jet Propulsion Laboratories, just because I love saying it, he had what seemed to be a mental breakdown. Throwing out the TV, which pissed off his family, as well as getting rid of the radio and newspaper subscriptions. He then put his family in a camper van and went off on the road, freelance riding. It may come as a surprise, 
but all this caused his marriage to break down and his family to fall apart. With a charitable mind, you could say that he saw something and it gave him reasons to be disillusioned. I think it's probably more true that he had a mental illness which went untreated. As an aside, mental illness is incredibly serious. If you are struggling, please seek help. With help and support, it does get better. Okay, so he worked at the lab, Rocket Dyne Jet Propulsion Laboratories, that worked on the jets for the moon landing. A decade before the event, but these things take time. He then experienced a sense of disillusionment with his life and society and goes out on the road. There is a plausible narrative that maybe he knew something secret, but also evidence of instability. In the 70s, he began to write about his time at Rocketdyne Jet Propulsion Laboratories and said that they were perpetrating a hoax. And in a phrase that is lodged firmly in the conspiracy theorist lexicon, you don't need to be an expert. In his case, he believed you didn't need to be an expert to understand the incredibly technical documents. I have a counterpoint. You really do. There is a reason people use rocket scientists to imply genius. From this point, it's a lot of charges of NASA not having the technical ability, and frankly, he rode his three years at Rocketdyne Jet Propulsion Laboratories to prove his expertise. Let's move on to the evidence. You can't see my air quotes, but they're a flying. I have a question. If the moon landings were faked, why did they free all those Nazis? If not to take advantage of their ability to make jets go really fast, why did they give them get-out-of-jail-free cards? I mean, proper Nazis got to live in the White House. Sorry, I mean, America. Kind of strange if they weren't being taken advantage of and instead just let to go free. But I digress. Let's look at two of the often sprouted reasons for the moon landing being faked and a reason to prove it's real. The biggest piece of evidence for a faked moon landing is the way the flag moves in the videos. There's no air on the moon, but there is on a soundstage. On the moon, the flag shouldn't flap as if in a breeze, but this would happen here on the blue planet. Makes sense if it wasn't for a little thing called kinetic energy. The astronauts had just planted the flag on the moon, and what could reasonably be seen as a flag flapping is just a reaction to this event. You move the pole, you move the flag. There has been enough evidence of this out there, so I won't belabor the point. But you move the pole, you move the flag. The second piece of evidence is that no stars are seen from the moon. You would expect that if you are on a rock in space, outside of the Earth's atmosphere, the view of the stars would be exceptional. It's the reason Hubble was out in space. In the images from the moon, this isn't the case. This is another simple one. The moon is reflective. Look out at night. Hard to argue with that, right? The moon has a reflective surface and the glare from it makes seeing the stars more difficult. The astronauts got a good view to and from the moon, so don't feel so bad for them. Also, they got to go into space, and who wouldn't want that? The one piece of evidence that we have that they were there is the amount of crap they left behind. We humans can't help but litter everywhere we go. On the moon, there are bits of spacecraft, flags, and my favourite, reflectors. They placed reflectors on the moon so you could shoot lasers at it and measure its distance. 
it's how we know the moon is slowly moving away from us. And after this year, who can blame it? With not a lot of equipment, you can confirm this for yourself. A story before we move on. A tip from me. Don't insult a former astronaut and fighter pilot by calling him a liar. This was the mistake that conspiracy theorist Bart Sabrell made when he confronted Buzz Aldrin, and Buzz gave him a great punch to the face. Insert boilerplate warning against violence. Wasn't supposed to read that. Don't hit people. That being said, it was satisfying. Obnoxious people are on the rise, and this won't stop them, but it does go away to feeling a little better about them. Go have a look at the video. Tell me you wouldn't want to punch that guy. Again, no violence. Our next conspiracy theory has to do with one of the greatest bands that ever existed, The Beatles. I love moving through all their albums and seeing the evolution of their music, and that of popular music. In less than 10 years, something special happened that will last for generations. In that time, they recorded an incredible amount of material, 13 albums being in the core repertoire. As you probably know, the core writers were Lennon and McCartney. Everyone has heard about the assassination of John Lennon, and no, this conspiracy is not about that, although there are probably enough of those. This conspiracy theory is about the fact that Paul McCartney died before John Lennon and was replaced by an imposter. This stand-in assumed his life to this day. Now that's commitment to a bit. Where did this conspiracy theory come from? Back in the day before playlists and streaming, there was a little thing called radio. Like a podcast, but live. And you could call in. According to a Rolling Stones article, a Detroit DJ named Russ Gibb had a caller who told him to play the intro to Revolutions 9 backwards. When he did, he heard, Turn Me On, Dead Man. Have a listen here. I mean, that's what it sounds like. One thing from me, I don't understand how this means that Paul McCartney is dead. Yes, I'm trying to follow a logical thread in an illogical land, but if you get it, please explain it to me. The next piece of evidence relates to cranberry sauce. In the song Strawberry Fields Forever, there is a line towards the end of the song which they want you to believe is cranberry sauce. Go and take a listen. You have to pay attention. I had never heard it before. Now, when music came on vinyl records, no, they weren't just for hipsters, you could play the record at different speeds. This allowed you to play different sized records. Now, if you play Strawberry Fields Forever slow, Cranberry Sauce turns into I Buried Paul. There are clips of it out there. It's not really that impressive. Not as impressive as Turn Me On Dead Man, which is interesting, and it's John Lennon singing the line. Could it be that we have discovered a new conspiracy? Hear me out. Lennon was plotting to kill McCartney. Didn't want to be a part of the best writing pair, he wanted it for himself. And Yoko didn't break the Beatles up. She found out and saved Paul McCartney's life. 
forever being blamed for the breakup. Forever being hated, she was selfless and was the only one who could satiate Lennon. I mean, it makes as much sense as Paul is dead. The last piece of evidence, and this one is the real clincher, is the Abbey Road cover. The theory goes that it's a funeral procession. And I mean, if you die, you have a funeral. Lenin is the preacher, all in white. Who better? He did think they were bigger than Jesus. Ringo is the undertaker, all in black. As far as I can tell, he's the least likely. He seems like such a happy guy. I can't imagine him dealing with death every day. Although, you do need a bit of cheering up at a funeral, I guess. George Harrison in blue denim is the gravedigger. And of course, Paul is the corpse. And why? Because he has no shoes on. I don't know about you, but in my experience, they usually fully dress the dead person. Not having shoes on is a strange leap to make to mean he's dead. There is a lot more out there to prove that Paul is dead, but these are the most interesting. It is really quite weak, but the rumours persist. In an interview with David Letterman, his approach is to laugh it off. It's a part of the fame. Now, I was going to do the accent, but I'm terrible at it, so I won't subject you to it. I have heard him talk about it, and he generally has this approach, and that's why I admire him. Nothing seems to bother him. He named a live album, Paul is Live, as a dig at this conspiracy. I really like Paul, and he's still making amazing music. If I can make a recommendation, check out New. It proves that he is something special, even if it isn't the real Paul. Something I had to laugh at, the top two comments under the video that I mentioned, the one with Letterman, uh, where he explains the reason for being barefooted. He was wearing sandals, but it got hot and he took them off. Sweaty sandals are not comfortable. And I don't know about you, but I've worn sweaty sandals in summer and tried to run and nearly rolled my ankle. So I get it. The top two comments are, it was so hot that he took his sandals off and walked barefoot on hot pavement. Sure, fake Paul. And his facial expressions say a different thing. It really is funny that it keeps going after 54 years, and we can laugh because he does. Paul McCartney is the best. One last Paul McCartney-related piece of information. Paul McCartney wrote Hey Jude in 1968. I mean, the new Paul McCartney. When my chihuahua Lily is tired and refusing to just sleep, and she just keeps barking and annoying everyone, I sing her Hey Jude, and she goes off into sleepland. Whether the original or the new one, Paul McCartney is an amazing artist and a fantastic person. I'm glad this one doesn't bother him, and he's able to laugh about it. Another musically themed conspiracy theory for you. One born from what I assume is the love of fans. This is the conspiracy that Alvis is still alive and living happily somewhere. Reading about this conspiracy, those who believe it do so because they are giant fans of the king. I wish it were true, and he would have a triumphant return. What I wouldn't give to see the king live. When Alvis was alive, he was more than just a mortal. His talents propelled the myth, and the idea that he could die was baffling. This conspiracy theory comes from the adoration of his fans. His life was so large, his death couldn't be real. Here are some things that people who believe he is alive point to as proof that the king is still with us. 
The first is the idea that his name is spelled incorrectly on his tombstone. It would be wrong to put his actual name on the fake tombstone, obviously. They point to his middle name on the tombstone being spelled Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, instead of with just one. My middle name is Aaron, after Elvis, and I have spelt it the same way, double A. Now I looked at the documentation and it is actually spelt with one A on his birth and fake death certificate. Clearly the spelling of my middle name is an incorrect spelling taken from a grave. Yay for me. The counterpoint to this is that people who knew Elvis said he did start to spell it with a double A as he aged. So maybe I'm not a gravestone baby. The second piece of evidence is the numerous sightings. No conclusive pictures just yet kind of like Bigfoot. Going back to these coming from a place of love, I don't really want to argue too hard against them. In some way, the delusion gives people a sense of peace. When my grandfather passed away, for months afterwards, I would see him. Not like a ghost, but walking around at the shops. It gives you a sense of comfort to feel them around you, and I'm sure this is what happens when those who want Elvis to be alive see him. The truth is, it's in your head. And it's a defence mechanism. The last thing to note is the theory that Elvis faked his death to avoid the mob killing him. The story goes that the FBI used him as an undercover informant to get information on the mob. Now I wouldn't really call the most famous man on earth a great undercover agent, but Elvis did like law enforcement. I bet he would have helped if they had asked. That being said, there isn't a shred of evidence for this. It's sad to say all the evidence points to his death. Unfortunately, no matter how hard you wish, some things just won't be. The king was larger than life, a myth in life and death. The next conspiracy theory is so strange that I was sure people can't genuinely believe it. I think, hope, they have been screwing with us. Anyway, there is a theory that the world is being controlled by lizard people who are able to take on human form. They do this for power to control us puny humans. World domination is great if all the people and humans trying to take it is anything to go by. From Genghis Khan to Caesar to Hitler to Mark Zuckerberg, they all tried to take over the world, and for most, it doesn't end well. If we are talking about who could be a lizard person, Zuck isn't even hiding it. He's strange. Look at any clip of him speaking. Any, I don't mean a gotcha video, just any that he's pretending to be human. He's strange. So these lizards travelled across the universe enslaving people. But where do they come from? Outer space, of course. They're aliens. One idea is they come from the Graco constellation. You know, the one that looks like a lizard as much as any constellation looks like anything. It is also Latin for dragon. What more do you people need? Constellation dragon, dragons are lizards, lizards here on earth interbreeding with people. I mean, who hasn't seen a saucy looking frilled neck? This might be why your ex was such an ass. They were a lizard, trying to interbreed with you. Were they ever cold to the touch? Getting close to you to soak up your warmth, like a cold-blooded creature would? They could also come from Orion, or Sirius, 
or Uranus, where this theory crawled out of. But we can't be sure because they are secretive, of course. How we know what we do is amazing, almost like it's made up. There isn't a clear origin from where this theory comes from. The man that popularized this and won't shut up about it is David Icke. Mr. Icke was a footballer slash soccer player and sports broadcaster. That is before he started talking about batshit crazy subjects. Quick look and you'll see there isn't a crazy theory he won't believe. In David Icke's telling, the creatures are interdimensional shape-shifting reptilians. Their purpose is to control and stop humans reaching their true potential. I mean, look around you. We are definitely not reaching any kind of potential. Now we know why, those frisky reptilians. Ike calls his reptilians the Archons, and they have been getting it on with humans since ancient times. Since the pharaohs, they have been creating people-Archon hybrids. He points to Babylonian myth to prove that aliens mated with humans. To his credit, there are a lot of stories about gods, angels and the like doing the no-pants dance with humans. He, though, takes a giant-ass leap of saying they're interdimensional lizard aliens. He claims people have told him they have seen people shape-shifting. Any powerful or rich person throughout history, to David Icke, was a reptilian. Particularly, Jewish people. I have tried to avoid anti-Semitism. Conspiracy theories tend to go down that road and no different here. I put this in here and take a break from the amusing conspiracy to just note that we have to keep our eyes open while we are having fun. Spreading this information, even in jest, can get people looking down some dark holes. Be careful, even a cursory look at Ike's ideas strays quickly into anti-Semitism, so be warned. Now you have an introduction to what the lizard theory is, how do you spot them? The Atlantic wrote a great article and put together a list. They say the following indicates a lizard person. Predominance of green or hazel eyes that change colour like a chameleon, but also blue eyes. True red or reddish hair, low blood pressure, keen sight or hearing, ESP, UFO connections, love of space and science, piercing eyes, a sense of not belonging to the human race, deep compassion of mankind, psychic abilities, unexplained scars on the body, capability to disrupt electrical appliances, alien contacts. With this list, you can start to interrogate your friends and family to find out if you have been living a lie. Are they shape-shifting lizards? What about you? I actually score quite high on this, but I promise I'm not a lizard person. No podcaster ever gained world domination. Yep. I was surprised compassion was a lizard tell. I didn't think they cared, or rather, I thought they were purposefully horrible. And in writing this, I made a discovery. My wife is a lizard person. Her beautiful red hair used to be something I would stroke lovingly, thinking how lucky I was to be with someone so beautiful. Now I know she's really a lizard person. She's trying to interbreed with me to create hybrids to take over the world. Truthfully, it could be worse. As long as my kids are successful, who cares if they're not completely human? It's 2020. Open your mind. My name is Byron, and I love a lizard person, and our children will be your rulers. And I thought the worst thing about redheads was that they were soulless. The last conspiracy theory is a real moron spotter. 
If you believe in this one, you are an idiot. The others were stupid, and belief in those are dumb. I do get the sense that for most people, they are just a bit of fun and not taken too seriously. This one is taken seriously, and it's stupid. If you believe it, I think you are an idiot. I hope I'm clear. Dumb, dumb, dumb. The current flat earth conspiracy has been around since the mid-20th century. Remember, we have been to outer space. We have seen the globe. It really got some steam with the popularity of the internet. Information being able to travel quickly and the ability for legitimate and illegitimate sources to look very similar. Then social media went from a place where you posted your favourite songs to the main source of news for millions. This made it all the more hard to distinguish legitimate and illegitimate sources. So it's like the last hundred years were the perfect roadmap to Crazy Town, and that place is Flat Earthville. Now what is the best evidence for a flat earth? If you are here for evidence, it's a globe. I'm not going to be indulging. It's a globe. Don't be dumb. Okay, evidence for a flat earth. We can do this. The idea that water doesn't just fall off the earth. Now that is a good starting point. Pour water on a ball and it falls right off. I spent the afternoon pouring water onto a ball and every single time I tell you, I kid you not, it fell right off. There was water all over the kitchen and my lizard wife was pissed off, but I had proof. I would if gravity wasn't a thing. This is a strange one to argue because you can see gravity in action everywhere. The water fell off the ball onto the ground. The mass of the earth is so large that it can attract water and the objects on it. It takes a lot to get off it. Ask guys who had to fake the moon landing. It's hard to fly from the earth. The next piece of evidence is that the horizon isn't curved. Go and have a look. Take your little lizard children to the beach. The horizon is flat. If the earth was a globe, it would curve. Except the earth is massive, so the curve is too. We humans are really bad at being able to comprehend things larger than ourselves. The bigger a number or concept, the harder it is to innately understand. It's easy to comprehend 10, but 10 million is too abstract. This is true of the Earth's curve. A ball's curve we can see and comprehend. The massive nature of the Earth, not so much. And that is understandable until we had images of it. And before you say they're fake, don't. They're real. The rest of the evidence doesn't get any more convincing and frankly I feel like I'm getting dumber by the minute. Although I think they're idiots and they are strange, flat earthers can be entertaining. The documentary Behind the Curve is really an interesting and entertaining piece of film. I mentioned the experiment with the lasers with which they proved themselves wrong. I won't repeat it here but to say they're idiots. The conviction to keep going is something though. I recommend watching the movie. I will say I started to feel bad for the characters. Putting their beliefs aside, they seem like nice people, and a number of them genuine about what they are saying. And I know I keep calling them stupid, which they are, but they are also people. And there were many times throughout where their beliefs had real negative consequences, and that's hard to watch at times. Maybe I'm a lizard, but I have empathy for them. It's the point at which a conspiracy goes from positive to negative. That's when to call it a day, I say. And talking about going negative, let's talk about Mad Mike Hughes and his steam-powered rocket. 
I know there is a lot there. In an attempt to prove for himself that the world is flat, Mad Mike made a steam-powered rocket. You may be saying, why steam-powered? That seems like a bad idea. I really don't know. I'm sure there is probably a good reason why he used steam power, but honestly, I stopped looking into it. There is something more entertaining about the fact that he chose steam power. The plan was to go up with a camera, take some pictures, and prove once and for all that the Earth is flat. In 2014, he went up, some people say it was fake, and came down hard. The parachutes released, but the landing was botched. It took three days to recover from. Mad Mike said he had to use a walker for two weeks. Did that make him stop? No, they don't call him Mad Mike for nothing. On February 22, 2020, Mad Mike made his last flight upwards. The parachutes deployed early, got destroyed and Mad Mike crashed into the ground and died on impact. There is one more twist. His PR man said he claimed to be a flat earther for the attention. Who knows the truth? but a sad end. Flat Earth theory is really dumb, and I don't know why, but I have an annoyed reaction to it. But the people who live it are real, and to be frank, they need help. I'm not the one to solve it, but if you are a Flat Earther, do what you ask us, and just listen. Even for one day, take the help I hope you're being offered. Thank you for sticking around to the end of the Conspiracy Theory series. Hopefully these conspiracy theories were a bit of fun, you had a laugh, and didn't get whiplash from shaking your head. What did I take out of these episodes? Well, it's about people. Whether you believe or not, there is a sense of belonging that comes from being part of something. This is only strengthened when you are the outer group and have to support each other. There is also a sense of mystery. Those who believe do so because they are searching for answers. We may think they are looking for answers in the wrong places, but it's a sense of curiosity we all share. For the most part, those we looked at are harmless, and the people involved do so because it adds to their life. Except for the flat earthers. You are idiots. I'm sorry, I'll stop. It's not professional to keep having a go at these morons. Honestly, why doesn't water fall off the earth? What kind of question is that? Idiots. (sighs) Conspiracy theories have been something I've always been drawn to. I love reading about them when I was younger. I like to believe I'm a pure skeptic, but I get drawn in, and it makes the universe a bit more interesting. Are there aliens out there, and have they visited? I don't know. I hope so. Bigfoot? Less likely. I really don't think there is any there, there, but who wouldn't want their very own Chewy? I hope that we can start to move back to conspiracy theories being fun, throwing off the dangerous elements, Maybe I'm looking back with rose-coloured glasses, but I wish for conspiracy theories to be like they were when I was a teenager. I want to thank those I spoke to over the course of the series. To say I found it interesting is an understatement. The people I spoke to all gave up their time, were friendly and open. Not easy when you are speaking about something a lot of people just laugh at. So thank you. Conspiracy theories are done. For now. I think we'll revisit at some stage. But we need to move on. Next week, we will be talking about a subject many people have said I'm obsessed with. I even have it inked on me. The Dark Knight himself, we will be speaking about Batman. I love Batman. Join me next week for a true passion project. To catch all future episodes, subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. Leave a rating for the show to grow our obsessive community. 
follow the socials and join your fellow obsessives. Links in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Byron, Ringo landed on the moon, and I'll speak to you in the next episode. Written, produced, and edited by Byron Gatt for Pinchicus Media. Sound designed by Lily and Fred. They designed the barking. I edited it out. Check out the full credits in the show notes and how to get in touch. Theme music from mixkit.co.